Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's interview podcast. You know, every once in a while, uh, I get someone who's, who so believes in their show that they actually call me and invite me to their show. And that's the call I got from Adam Whiteman, who is a composer and a playwright who's written a terrific show. Hello, Adam. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, no problem. Uh, tell us about Music Mad, How Chief O'Neill Saved the Soul of Ireland, your your new play. Yeah. Um, well, Chief O'Neill, a lot of people have heard his name, and they know there's a tavern in Chicago named after him. And maybe they even know why he's a chief. Some people think, oh, he's a fire chief, but actually he was the chief of police in Chicago in 1901 uh, under several different mayors. Uh, and his story grabbed me out of the blue. Uh, I was um, doing some research for an album that I produced called Hidden Treasures Irish Music in Chicago and learned from the local Irish musicians that Chief O'Neill was a very important person to them because he went out and collected the tunes of Ireland. Uh, and he actually wrote them down in a book called O'Neill's Music of Ireland. And so this story, Music Mad, is uh, we try to explore the reasons why and how he saved um, this precious music of Ireland from really being lost to the ages. Wow, that that's amazing. So, and and uh, what is your background that got you interested in Irish music? Because I don't detect that you're Irish. I'm not Irish. Uh, I think I am now, though. After working on this project for <laughs> years, at least uh, there's some crossovers that I really feel. Um, the as I was getting more and more involved, well, I started as a music major back in college. I played French horn, I studied music and composition, and eventually found my way into law school. But always, always, the music was a part of my life. Um, and there's a there's an interesting uh, parallel to Chief O'Neill. So no matter what he did in his life, when he left Ireland, the one thing he left with was his flute, and he carried that flute with him wherever he went. And he made friends through music wherever he went with his group. And so the music was a part of him. And there are those among us who it's a part of us. And I, I think the Irish in general, it's, it's very deeply ingrained in their persona that, uh, that they express themselves through music. And so in that regard, I'm very Irish. <laughs> And uh, in putting this album together, Hidden Treasures Irish Music in Chicago, uh, that is, um, that's really what got me interested in Chief O'Neill. I, when I came to Chicago to practice law, my way of getting involved in the, in the music scene was to explore the scene, not just the Irish music. I started out by looking into the blues scene, because Chicago is so well known for its blues. And then I did a compilation of Chicago jazz music. And Chicago is really, uh, just a fountainhead of, of wonderful talent of, of many different styles of music because we, we really are the melting pot of, of musicians here in Chicago. And there's so much talent, so, so deep, uh, there's so, so deep pools of talent in Chicago. Uh, and that's sort of how I came to the project was through being a record producer first. Uh, as I started doing research for the Chief O'Neill project, I approached it as a lawyer, you know, I, and I researched things that I find interesting, 
and analyze them. Uh, and when I first heard about Chief O'Neill, the first thing I went to do was over to the Chicago Historical Society and looked up any books I could find that he wrote, uh, looked up any newspaper articles that were written about him uh, during that time he was uh, involved in Chicago uh, politics and then the police. And slowly, uh, you, you start, when you start to do this, after a while, some of these characters from the past they really kind of reach out to you. It's kind of sweet. Yeah, he's he had he had quite a quite a background. Give us a little bit of, or well, let's talk about the format of the show. Um, it, it's a it's a drama uh, told with music. It's not a musical, but it's it's what I call story theater. Tell us the 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 mechanism you use to tell O'Neill's story. Yeah, well, that's you know that's part of the uh, challenge of a writer is you want to be dramatic, but you also want to, in this particular case, when you're dealing with a historical figure, you really want to get his story told. And so the best way I found, at least for this uh, this particular iteration of the show, uh, for the first introduction of people to his history and his background, was through an interview. And, and I found that to be the, the, the best way to get a lot of information across uh, in an informative, interesting way, uh, so that imagine Dick Cavett is interviewing a famous historical figure, and that's how we set it up, so that he is actually there. We created a, a, a historical television show called Chicago History Today, <clears throat> and our guest is Chief O'Neill. And the way I, uh, the, one of the challenges I had to face was to find his voice as a character. And the way I found to do that was to simply allow him to speak for himself because he's a very well-spoken person. Uh, although his language and sentence structure is, is, is somewhat flowery and, uh, and somewhat romantic, he was a very educated man. Um, but it's also uh, intriguing to hear the way he uh, expressed himself. Uh, in America today, we tend to be very um, short and choppy in our representations and, you know, getting our thoughts across, but he, he was a, a man who could weave beautiful sentences together. And so in his writings, I plucked out little sentences and statements and thoughts that he had expressed in, in, in his books and, and used those to weave together his answers that he gives to the interviewer. Uh, and... You know, he wrote a lot of books about, he didn't just notate the tunes of Ireland in this, in this book. He wrote many other books in which he, ex, uh, almost like an encyclopedia of traditional Irish musicians. Uh, one of his books was traditional uh, uh, Irish folk music, and another one was uh, Irish minstrels and musicians. And he would give these beautiful little biographies of these wonderful players back in the around, and even before. And he would describe what kind of music they played and what kind of characters they were. And every once in a while, he would sprinkle in a funny story about them or of his own. And that, and, and, and just calling through all that information allowed me to uh, piece together uh, the interview format. And then what we do to make it uh, somewhat uh, more entertaining, more colorful, is to weave little vignettes of the 
his story by bringing out actors who will uh, reenact scenes from his past. Yeah, and he had quite a colorful past, right? He, I mean, he he left Ireland at sixteen. He uh, he traveled the world as a seaman, and and then ended up settling in Chicago and becoming a cop. Yeah, really amazing person. I mean, we all during our lives try to experience life's adventures to the fullest, and he stands out as someone who, who almost like a a Herman Melville character or a Jack London character just tossed himself into the world to see where the waves of life would take him. And he approached everything with competence and intelligence uh, and with the love of music. And it was interesting, no matter where he traveled throughout the world, he was able to befriend people and even have his life saved at one time through his musical skills. He was on a shipwreck, and one of his sailors who he befriended shared his music, his food with him, after Chief O'Neill taught him how to play a few tunes. He wasn't Chief then, but after Francis O'Neill taught him to play a few tunes on his whistle. And and he comments about this. Is, uh, this was uh, interesting how uh, a little musical skill can help you later in life. And this particular sailor happened to be an African-American. So he, then, um, he remembered how he was treated later in life by people of other races. And so when he became the chief of police, he actually promoted um, a black man to uh, a sergeant in 1901, which was unheard of at the time. He was a very forward-thinking person. And so the music allowed him to um, realize, the, you know, almost like politics, bringing people together. It was a beautiful thing. Yeah, and uh, from, from my research, too, I found that... Uh, that he was the charismatic chief of police and and staunchly honest uh, guy. Yet he also had time to to organize the the Irish cops who could play music and to have the the music club or society to to further the music. Right, the Irish music club in Chicago. Yeah, it's been uh, it must have been a wonderful time back then because the city was populated with fresh immigrants who carried with them their traditions, who could perform wonderfully on various instruments of pipe, alien pipes and flute and whistle and fiddle. And, you know, nowadays uh, we don't necessarily turn to musical instruments as a source of, of cultural expression and enjoyment. It's almost like, oh, yeah, my, my mom sent me two violin lessons. But for, for the people of Ireland, for the, the peasantry and for the... Uh, the the everyday person in Ireland, music was an intrinsic part of their life and was really sometimes the sole means of of, of enjoyment uh, because they worked very hard in the fields. It was a very difficult time. We had just, they're recovering or experiencing the famine and there's not a lot culturally going on for the everyday person. And so this music, when they escaped from these harsh conditions in Ireland, they took this music with them. And so Chief O'Neill was surrounded by these wonderful musical talents, and he recognized this. And he recognized this was an unusual scenario because they had come from all over different parts of Ireland. And so you didn't just have, you know, music from Cork or Kerry or Limerick, you know, it separated. It was all together in this wonderful Chicago city that was growing from the day-to-day as a, as a major metropolitan center. 
And so he would bring, he would actually encourage people, musicians, to join the police force so that he could be with them and, and, and you know, help them, help them out in their transition to American society. Well, your so your play is really kind of three plays in one. It's it's certainly a, a, a play about immigrants coming to America. So it's a it's the American melting pot story. It's also the story of the preservation of Irish music, and it's the story of the the modernization of Chicago. It's really three stories in one, and you're to be congratulated. Well, that's that's a very good insight. Um, and I would even add to that, I love to, to view this. Not, not everybody recognizes this when they see the play, but the music of Ireland itself is a character in the play. Um, as you saw, we had a, a group of musicians, uh, you know, led by... Jim Dewan, a wonderful uh, Irish guitar player, and Larry Nugent, an outstanding world-class uh, Irish flute player, and uh, Farley Masterton on the on the fiddle, and, and Joe O'Regan on the ballon. And these guys are playing the traditional music of Ireland that Chief O'Neill saved. And what I tried to do was when they they play music that reflects the emotion of the theme to come. Or the emotion of of, of of something that just happened, or it's it's actually the emotion of, of of something happening within the scene at the moment. So the the play is infused with the music of Ireland, expressing itself as a character. And when when something bad happens to the music of Ireland, like the the parish piper is banned by a new parish priest who sees this music as a distraction from Roman Catholic Roman Catholic ways, and you know, and is trying to suppress. Um, uh, these the types of uh, cultural um, distractions as he saw them, uh, the parish piper is not allowed to play anymore. And so it's really beautiful thing when we get to hear the music express its sadness. <laughs> I'm, this is terrible. I'm now going to go die in the poorhouse. And, and Chief O'Neill points out, and it was a true story, that yeah, the, the local parish piper who had a relatively... Um, Successful patron at, at Colony Cross actually ended up dying in the poorhouse. Yeah, that um, that was that was sad. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that that stand out in my mind is that you didn't use very familiar Irish music. You could have easily used "My Go, Lassie Go" and "Danny Boy" and "Molly Malone" and "Wearing of the Green" and that stuff. But you chose to to focus on the real traditional Irish music. Uh, uh, Particularly the the stuff that that O'Neill was able to save. Yeah, that's that's very interesting that uh, you sense that. I it's almost like something I didn't like consciously do. It's just that that's what was I was attracted to. That's what I knew he was preserving. Um, that music is not composed by quote unquote composers, right? This is this is the music that some farmer played after a hard day's work or some parents made up and sang to their children. It, music, I think, it, for them, more than any time in history, was really an expression of their everyday lives. To me, when music a- approaches such truth that it is then that it communicates with everyone. And that's what brings us together as people. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I think one of the major contributions of both 
your play and the uh, the CD which I listened to that you produced, the Irish music in Chicago, is that that you were that you are offering this this real uh, down home music of Ireland, uh, beautifully produced and and with a, a high degree of emotion that that I think people will find fascinating. Truly appreciate hearing that. Uh, it's funny. There's a there's a line in the play uh, that Chief O'Neill talks about. You know, where he's questioned. Well, that this doesn't seem like a very uh, financially uh, rewarding uh, undertaking that you're doing, uh, because first of all, Irish music. He, you know, he so he's spending all his money publishing a book of Irish tunes. Uh, so uh, people don't really look to back then books to learn the Irish music. It was passed down by memory and performance. Uh, and the other thing is that, you know, really people did not have a lot of money to buy books back then when he was publishing it. So he says, well, it's our duty to prove our faith through our works. And that, that, that's a line that really resonates in me is like, you know, sometimes you just got to put the commercialism aside for a moment and focus on what is it you're really trying to express. And, and uh, you know, don't just dress something up because you think it's what people want. You know, try to be true to to yourself and to the project. And, uh, yeah, but you also um, uh, the performance I was at on a Thursday night. You you had them standing room only. That was amazing <laughs> on a Thursday night. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that shows that there there's a there's a demand for this that that people like ethnic shows and and we have a big Irish population in Chicago but uh I brought a lady with me who said she was probably the only uh Jewish lady in the in the audience and she absolutely loved it she thought it was just just so american and just so irish and and there when you say those two words they somehow they work together don't they yeah absolutely uh you know fiddler on the roof was translated in more languages than any other show you know, and it's about these uh, Jewish peasants, you know, trying to get along in life. And it, it, it's a universal story. Everybody can relate to this, you know, and everybody can draw inspiration from it. You know, I myself am Jewish, and, and I was just, uh, you know, I, there's, there's a, a, a person, there's, this, there's a story that elevates itself above ethnicity. And it's the story of humanity. Chief O'Neill lost many children. To, to, to really sad conditions and tragedy in his life of, of disease and, you know, they didn't have uh, very good health care back then and, uh, and he overcame a lot of difficulties and, and was able to, as an individual, uh, sail through life and, and, and handle his, the, the tiller of his little boat that he was given and, and, and somehow rise above uh, ethnic differences and, and political issues to just be a good person. Yeah, he seemed like it. And and you know what's amazing? Uh, your story covers him up till about 1905, but he lived to 1936. He lived to yeah, be 87 yeah. years. He lived 31 years after he retired from the police department, and, and he wrote, what, eight or nine books? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, discuss uh, looking into in much more detail uh, these these wonderful figures of his of his past and through these traditional Irish music musicians. And he was well known in, in circles as, as like a, an expert uh, and sort of a self-made ethnomusicologist of sorts. 
what he did to preserve this music was uh, very important to take a snapshot of something. It, it really would have been lost uh, in, in time. And, uh, and, and then the, the current state of traditional Irish music might very well have been very different had he not done what he did. Well, the show is also quite entertaining, though. The, the characters, as we flash back into O'Neill's life, are presented with a lot of humor and a lot of heart and a lot of honesty. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's the result of a, a lot of self-reflection as a writer. When you, you, At first, during the... You know, I really, this took me eight years to kind of put this together in, a, in, a, in this format. Uh, I'm sure there's eight more years I can continue working on it and refining it, and, you know. But uh, one of the issues that you have just pointed out is that your characters speak truth, that they don't represent simple stereotypes, that you really try to find, well, what is the underlying motivation of this particular character or that one? And, you know, they're not all black and white. They're not, like the new parish priest comes in, and he's actually got some reasons for what he's trying to accomplish in banishing the music. And it could have been very easy just to paint him as a an evil character who, you know, swarms in and, and destroys people's lives. But even as the the quote-unquote friend, friendly priest points out to, to Francis, you know, there's a lot going on in the world that sometimes we have to react to and there are revolutions and in, in Europe, and, and the church felt that this was important for them to handle it in this way, and maybe it was not the right way, and in my opinion it wasn't, but it is important to give even the supporting characters um, you know, something, something for everybody to think about. Yeah, and I think you did, in a, did it in an entertaining way, because it's it's uh, o- definitely O'Neill's story, it's definitely the story of the, of the the turning of the century in Chicago, and of course, it's uh, it's a blueprint for uh, great traditional Irish music. That I'm a fan of Irish music, but I think people uh, who even know it are going to be impressed by the selection of tunes that you came up with. That's great. Yeah, I, you know, a lot of those were uh, derived from Lawrence Nugent's uh, albums that he has produced over the years. So it's it's a body of work that Lawrence Nugent has produced. You know, he, he, he really does embody the, the music of Ireland. He's a guy who is just a, a virtuosic Irish, traditional Irish flute player who plays with such feeling and sentiment and chooses his tunes on his albums with such feeling and sentiment. And, and it made, really made my job a lot easier just because I happened to have discovered this wonderful talent in Chicago. Um, and it's, just great to see people react to it in, in the way you are. Well, let's let and we. You should take some credit for the for the song that I really like, the the Harvest Save that you wrote, very much yeah. into the Irish tradition. Well, that came from me steeping myself within this tradition and it percolating in my subconscious for a while. And because I expressed myself musically, it was interesting to to me to see what came out. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely has an Irish flavor, but it also has a humanistic flavor. And, you know, it's a universal story about a mother sending her child off into the world. And what a beautiful image that really the only thing she can leave him with is the music of his homeland. Okay. In the interest of time, because I want to put that song at the end of this interview, sure. uh, give us a little commercial for the show. You uh, amazingly are at Chief O'Neill's Pub. 
Yeah, that's uh, it's wonderful to be able to do it there. You know, I, I discussed that with uh, Brendan and Siobhan McKinney, who are just wonderful, wonderful uh, people and owners of and developers of Chief O'Neill's Tavern. It's not just a tavern; it's a restaurant. It's fine gourmet food. It's a wonderful experience to see the show in this place, which is named after him, and uh, and and so respectful of him and what he's done. And it's, we have a beautiful large dining room in which we set everybody, but there's also a wonderful patio outside to enjoy uh, a fine meal before or after the show outside or inside the rest of the tavern. So when are you running? I know it's Thursdays, but you're also running on Sundays. Sundays, yeah. Because we sold out our 4 p.m. shows, we had to add an extra show on Sunday, June 21st. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry, the 17th, June 17th and June 24th, we added 7 p.m. shows, uh, on those Sundays. Uh, we have a few more tickets left on, uh, the Thursdays for the rest of the month. Uh, but we're really quickly selling out, and I think that, uh, like you, like it seems to have happened with you, we're striking a chord, so to speak, with, with the Chicagoans. Well, it sounds like you're gonna want to remount or, or extend the show. Uh, I, yeah, we definitely will want to remount it uh, in the fall. We'll take a little breather, see what we got, and, and, uh, and uh, bring it back. So they can go to your site, which is? www.musicmad.net, musicmad.net, and they can learn all about the history of the show, where it's playing, who to contact, uh, how to buy tickets. Uh, everything is right there, and uh, again, Music Mad is like you used described it as a musical drama that celebrates the life and times of Francis Elkhart. It explains how and why he saved the music of Ireland from being lost to the ages. Well, Adam, it's, I'm so glad you called me, and I'm so glad I saw the show. It really was a special treat. Oh, thank you. And, folks, make sure you get to see this play, and uh, keep. thank you for listening.